Today, we talk about all the happenings in our industry. This show is for everyone working at the coalface. Digital, business, marketing, social. This is At The Coalface with your host, Jason Greenwood. I'm Jason Greenwood. Welcome to episode 25 of At The Coalface. I'm actually coming to you from the Health Post offices. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this is, this, is, uh, this is one of our boardrooms. So it's a nice, a nice uh, environment to go ahead and be able to shoot this uh, episode for you in. Um, we've had a lot of happenings in our industry um, from a platform perspective over the last couple of weeks. And it's, uh, it's really caught a lot of industry insiders even by a bit of surprise. And so I wanted to speak to a few of those happenings and sort of give my take on those. And more importantly, to try to provide a little bit of context about how these happenings may impact you if you either use these platforms currently or if you are going to be using those platforms or were thinking about using those platforms um, and how it may impact you, your business, your role, uh, and your future ultimately. So uh, let's start with the, the first piece of big news to hit the market uh, a couple of weeks back and that was the big uh, Salesforce purchase of Demandware. Now Demandware is an enterprise e-commerce platform. It is, uh, it is a SaaS platform, so it's a software as a service. You access the platform through a web browser. Uh, and Demandware has the dubious distinction, a couple of dubious uh, distinctions, uh, some of them good, some of them not so good. Uh, it has the dubious distinction of having never made a profit since its inception. Um, so it's, it's interesting because most of the other SaaS companies, the cloud companies out there are highly profitable uh, and it is definitely the architecture of the future. So it's surprising that Demandware hasn't be able, been able to put together uh, an offering that allows their costs to be less than uh, the profit that they make off of selling their product or leasing their product effectively. Uh, the other uh, dubious distinction that Demandware has is that it charges, uh, it's a charging model, it's subscription pricing model, is based on taking a percentage of your revenue as a merchant. So it works particularly well for brands that um, have high margins in either as a business or as a vertical that they operate in where they have high margins and they can give a percentage of that away to demandware. So you'll often see demandware play very well in the uh, apparel space, the fashion space, the clothing space, because those uh, that vertical tends to have very high margins, and as a result of that, they can uh, you know these big fashion um, brands with multiple chain stores, etc., can afford to give away a, a percentage of their take to Demandware for this this high-end enterprise um, site experience. Um, Demandware also has an element of content management built in, an element of marketing automation. It's got some other elements built into the core platform in terms of order management and some of the other platforms that make it a little bit more like an ERP. It's not a full-blown ERP because it doesn't do financials, it doesn't do warehouse management, it doesn't do some of the other high-end ERP functions that you would expect out of an ERP system. So it's not a full business management platform, uh, but from an e-commerce, omni-channel commerce uh, perspective, uh, it fulfills a lot of those requirements for, for medium to large size businesses. 
So the other dubious distinction the Salesforce has is it's never made any money either. So and they're also a cloud slash SaaS product. So it remains to be seen whether two companies that have never managed to be able to make any money can actually make money together. Um, and you know, with the, with the money that they paid for demand, where you know, you'd want them to make some some profit sometime soon. So. It's going to be really interesting. I believe that if you look at this from a top-down perspective, I believe that Salesforce is starting to make a play for building out a full business management stack a la NetSuite. So I believe that, that um, Salesforce has NetSuite uh, in their sites. Um, they need a lot more components to their stack to be a full business management platform, a full, full business management application in the cloud, SaaS, etc. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting um, to, to uh, understand and think about where they may be headed. Um, uh, you know, there are some third-party tools built on the Salesforce platform or they're built on their modular development platform. And so it remains to be seen, you know, financial force is one of those from a financial management perspective. You know, it's an, financial force is actually an aged platform that they, that they re-envisaged on the Salesforce platform or as a module that plugs into Salesforce. So it really, it really does remain to be seen whether Salesforce can add in the order management piece, can add in the warehouse management piece, can add in the financials piece natively within their stack to really um, prove a credible threat to NetSuite, but definitely one to watch. Um, you know, Salesforce is very, very strong in the CRM space, or the customer relationship management space, but primarily from a B2B perspective. So by picking up Demandware, they actually pick up some of that knowledge around how to interface with B2C customers. So, so obviously Demandware, that's their whole specialization. They specialize in that touch point across digital of talking to the end customer. And they understand very well what is required to make that happen in a seamless way and what kind of customer data in the back end they need to have access to to provide that seamless customer experience. So I, I believe that they acquired Demandware because there really wasn't any other SaaS e-commerce uh, platforms out there in the marketplace to acquire. Um, they needed to acquire a SaaS product because, because Salesforce is already a SaaS product and so philosophically they needed to acquire a SaaS product to, to make their narrative consistent. So it remains to be seen whether they can make this uh, a successful marriage in the cloud. Um, I think it could be. If you're already on demand where, then obviously you'll be very happy because it means that the, the Salesforce integration will become tighter over time. Uh, and it means that you will then start to have access to bundles with Salesforce functionality built in, likely anyway, as part of your subscription. So it, it is probably pretty exciting for, for people who are already on demand where. I don't think it makes it compelling enough for people who can't afford demand where today to all of a sudden because now we've got Salesforce um, potentially as part of that bundle that all of a sudden it makes it makes it you know make logical sense as a business application stack. I don't think it does yet, but it may may do in the future. The other piece of big news that came out of the marketplace also around a SaaS company is Big Commerce uh, stating openly to the market that they're preparing themselves for an IPO, an initial public offering. Now, uh, I have very mixed feelings about this. I love Big Commerce. I love the guys over at Big Commerce. I know a lot of them very, very well, right from Brent Bellum all the way down, uh, you know, and, and I think they're doing some great things over at Big Commerce, especially with their enterprise product and where that's going. Uh, I've been involved in a couple of Big Commerce enterprise projects. And it is, it is an awesome, awesome SaaS platform that just gets better each and every day. Originally um, founded in Australia, still have a massive uh, development team uh, and management team based in Sydney. So, you know, I've been over to their offices uh, on a number of occasions and hung out with those guys over there. So I think they're doing great things and I'm just, I'm very, very concerned that an IPO, uh, you know, can force them into a position where they're trying to provide um, because they legally have to, the best value for their shareholders, so will that continue to be the best value for the merchant? 
it remains to be seen whether they can uh, keep that corporate culture that they've managed to build, uh, that fantastic feel to their team, that fantastic pace of development, uh, you know, when all of a sudden you are accountable to shareholders instead of just uh, private investors and private equity holders, it does become more challenging to retain your corporate culture. So I hope that they can. I hope that they can maintain their pace of development and innovation uh, because I think their best days are ahead of them if they can. Uh, and and I personally want to see them do really, really well. I think that there'll be, you know, huge demand uh, when they go IPO. Uh, so you'll, you'll want to keep an eye on that if you're interested in this space at all, if you're interested in investing in companies in this space at all. When they go IPO, you'll definitely want to become involved in that because I think it's it's an exciting company doing things, shaking up the market and doing things well. So hopefully those guys do well over there uh, and hopefully they can, they can hold it together uh, long after they do go public and become responsible to those shareholders once again. Um, the other big piece of news in the marketplace is Marketo uh, was bought by private equity. So uh, very interesting uh, move by, by Marketo to sell themselves to, uh, to private equity and effectively be taken private again. Uh, Marketo is a marketing automation platform um, similar to Exact Target, similar to Bronto. It focuses primarily on, um, on, e on uh, email marketing and segmentation and personalization. And uh, they have a they have a really good platform. It's it's it, they're they're definitely considered an 800 pound gorilla in the marketing automation space. Uh, they primarily focus on marketing automation for omni-channel commerce businesses. Um, they're very successful, and I can see the desire for private equity to snap them up. Uh, it was rumored, in fact, when um, Netsuite purchased Bronto last year. It was rumored that the decision to go with Bronto was basically a toss-up between purchasing Bronto or purchasing Marketo. And so very interesting that NetSuite chose to acquire Bronto. I think that's pretty good news for Bronto and NetSuite. You know, uh, NetSuite picks up the marketing automation piece from Bronto and all that IP that sits in that company. And Bronto now gets to access the full NetSuite customer uh, base. So, you know, fantastic move for them. Uh, Marketo obviously got passed over in that deal, uh, if the rumors are to be believed. And obviously they saw a chance to be picked up for a premium by private equity and uh, you know for those initial founders and, and managers of the company to do very well out of it um, once again you know once when you make that big of a transition in terms of kind of who owns you and who owns your destiny and your future it can throw you know monkey wrenches into things if they try to mess with your secret sauce too much so if you run Marketo uh, certainly there could be a little bit of um, you know a little bit of a gray area there about what your future from a technology perspective looks like uh, and, and some question marks there so hopefully they can put those you know concerns to rest with their existing customer base as soon as possible give their give their customers confidence that it's business as usual and that Marketo will continue to have a strong uh, product development roadmap and uh, continue to innovate in that space because I think that space is, is one of the hottest spaces moving forward in terms of marketing automation uh, the final big piece of news, and it's probably the, the single biggest piece of news that's been talked about over the last week, would be Microsoft buying LinkedIn. Uh, now, I don't have to tell you how big and how, in some respects, perhaps scary uh, this is. Um, you know, you can only imagine that uh, Microsoft having access to the details, the deep insights into personal data of all of the members of LinkedIn and what they intend to do with that. Certainly. Um, when it comes to their own marketing automation and perhaps 
even their um, uh, HCM, human capital management platforms, their ERPs, you know, the Dynamics platform, and bringing in elements of social into that through the LinkedIn, um, you know, marriage, um, and also leveraging it in other ways, leveraging it as a new customer database. Uh, leveraging it perhaps across their office platform and being able to pull in um, profiles natively, similar to how uh, you know Gmail does today. It can pull in certain elements uh, and uh, of of a customer of, of a contact's profile from various different social networks, including LinkedIn. Um, similar to how HubSpot does it, uh, you can only imagine that you know within within things like Outlook, being able to connect natively to the LinkedIn platform, being able to pull in all that rich information and present it to you you know, as you're scheduling meetings and all those sorts of things, especially if it's your first meeting, you've never met this person before, to bring in that data and have it right there in your scheduling, in your calendar, right at your fingertips. You know, The, the, the sky really is the limit once you have access to this data. So I believe they, they bought LinkedIn primarily for access to the data more so than the platform that LinkedIn is. Uh, LinkedIn still is the pretty much the only social network for professionals, um, you know, and and uh, there's a lot of screaming and moaning and gnashing of teeth about LinkedIn turning into a little bit more of a Facebook type environment because people are bringing a lot more of their personal life into their uh, into their articles and into their commentary on LinkedIn, which you know uh, there's mixed feelings about that, but it still is very much focused at professionals, and therefore the data that people provide. In LinkedIn, it's effectively an online CV and so much more. And now LinkedIn's a publishing platform with their Pulse platform. And so anybody on there can use it effectively as a, a personal blog, a professional blog. Uh, and those articles get picked up by Google and, and listed and ranked organically. And, and so it's becoming a, 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 an absolute powerhouse of a publishing platform. Uh, so you can only imagine what Microsoft can do with that data, with that content and starting to interweave it in with the Microsoft experience, you know, taking that data, plugging it into Bing. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it is really, really powerful, that marriage. So you can understand why Microsoft paid so much for LinkedIn and certainly, uh, you know, the, obviously, you know, something like Facebook or some of the other platforms out there really don't have that professional focus that, that Microsoft obviously saw as a, as a crown in there, uh, you know, crown jewel to, to be had. So. Really, really interesting happenings in our space, the digital slash social slash commerce space slash marketing space. Um, all these platforms, you know, the M&A, mergers and acquisitions market is hotting up. Uh, and certainly, you know, this time of the year as we're coming into the summer into North America, everybody's on a, on a bit of a high. It's a bit giddy. It's, it's pretty sunny in North America. So uh, obviously there's something in the water that's making all of these companies want to do big, big deals. Uh, and, and in every single instance that I've just referred to, they're all SaaS products. So they're all uh, software as a service products and platforms. So just shows the power of the SaaS model uh, and how desirable it is to the biggest players in the marketplace and how that really is where the action is happening. So uh, hopefully you found this interesting, uh, my take on it. Uh, you know, all these platforms are very well known. I, I've, I've, you know, I've dealt with them before previously, whether it be through integration or clients migrating to or from these platforms, etc. Uh, so they've all got their, their, their pluses and their minuses. So it's really interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with these platforms as the next phase of their life um, kicks off. So hopefully you found that interesting. You got any questions, uh, please feel free to leave them for me and I'll do my best to get back to you straight away. Thanks a lot.